Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Ng Associates, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro, and I have over 20 years of helping corporations and individuals with planning. Yeah, we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every week exclusively on podcast on Fridays. You can pick us up on MoneyMD.net, our website, or iTunes. Yeah, and if you go to the, the website, Steve, MoneyMD.net, we have the link on the uh, the right-hand corner, a little uh, button. You click that, and it'll take you to another site, and it'll have all the podcasts. You can download them, uh, listen to them as, at your leisure. It's also uh, categorized, and um, you can catch up with the Money Doctors. It's a great way to listen to us. You can go back and hear all our shows, like you said, in, in uh categorized by topic, but also on our website, moneymd.net, you can email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. We'll uh, cover those on our shows usually, and uh, so you can link to us there at moneymd.net, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show lined up for today. Um, Very interesting stuff here, and one of them is, you know, home stretch retirement repairs. We sit down with a lot of people that are in the home stretch to retirement. They're coming in here in the last five, ten years, and they're way behind. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in trouble. You do the planning, and they haven't really planned well, and they got to scramble to make things work in the next five or ten years. But we got the answer. Some ways you can do that. There are some good ideas. Um, this is a good article here, a U.S. News and World Report about how you can repair some of these problems in the last five or ten years. Yeah, that's a good list, too. And then we're going to follow that up, Steve, with a an, uh, an discussion on investing mistakes. And these are classic investing mistakes. We talk about these from, from time to time on the show, but it's things that we see out there. Uh, they go on regardless if the markets are doing well or not so well. So you want to stick around for that. Um, these mistakes can can ruin your home stretch. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you got to make sure you make the right decisions and 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 stay away from certain areas as well. Yeah, you don't want to make the big mistakes coming into the home stretch, and and this is a good list. So definitely want to stick around for that. Okay, well, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the American Bankruptcy Institute, and Steve, there's there's some good news. We're we're optimistic on we are. a lot of our stuff that we talk about, right? Very positive, we're realistic, like but to keep it you know keep it real, keep, but it, keep real. it positive. Yeah, and so the personal bankruptcies are down significantly over the last six years, from about 1.6 million um, Chapter Seven or Thirteen bankruptcies down to about 593,000 um, that have filed, um, you know, recently. So big drop, you know, if you look at the six-year period, and I think that speaks of the economy. I mean, economy is a little bit better um, than it was, you know, six years ago. So um, that's, a, that's a positive fact for most people not having bankruptcy. Yeah, I think a lot of that speaks to employment. You know, <clears throat> employment has, has continued to improve, improve, improve over the last six years, and and, uh, you know, more people working, less people have to file for bankruptcy. Yep. So that's a really good thing. 
So uh, I think the economy is, you know, on the mend. I slow, like it. Slow, but yes. Slow, very, very slow, but it has gradually gotten better, so it's been moving in the right direction. Hopefully that's going to continue to uh, impact the stock market. Okay, um, that leads up to our first topic here, and that is the last-minute retirement repairs. Um, this is a good article out of uh, U.S. News and World Report. Um, Emily Brandon, I believe is the name here. But, John, you know, I mean, there are – a key to a great retirement is to not plan for the last minute. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, it's that's really the key is don't be in the last minute. But if you are in the last minute, I mean, life does happen for some people, and sometimes due to unfortunate circumstances, they end up scrambling to figure out how to make it work. So while not, it's the, while not the ideal solution in many cases, we do have some suggestions for making a comfortable retirement a reality. Of course, once you make it to your 60s, there's not a lot of time left to build wealth for retirement, but you do have some options to quickly and significantly improve your retirement finances. We sit down with people all the time who are approaching retirement, and it's often not an ideal picture. I spoke to a couple just the other day who were blindsided by some astronomical medical premiums. And since their company didn't uh, have coverage at retirement and they didn't want to sit and wait until 65 when they could qualify for Medicare. Um, but then we also see clients who got laid off late in their career, had to start over with a new job. I also see ones occasionally, and I know you do, that, that due to divorce, they get put a lot mm-hmm. further behind. Yeah, definitely. Maybe in their 50s. So if you find yourself in one of these unfortunate situations, here's how to boost your cash flow in the final years leading up to retirement. We've got some great ideas. Yeah, here. and this first one here, Steve, is I think is really, really good, can open up a lot of doors, is downsizing. And that may sound scary to a lot of people, but you know, retirees usually no longer need several bedrooms that have to be cleaned and a large yard that has to be maintained. I mean, moving into a more compact and less expensive home could reduce your ongoing monthly expenses and perhaps even add you know, a significant amount of cash to your nest egg. And, you know, particularly for people living in expensive areas, reducing their housing costs by downsizing can really have a a big impact. I mean, there's going to be closing costs, obviously, associated with selling the house, and there might be some tax implications you want to consider, but it's definitely something to examine and maybe, you know, consider as this is is an option. This is a big one here. Uh, It can also sometimes be an emotional decision because that's your home, your community, you have a lot of, you know, memories maybe with your kids there. But the good news is that any savings uh, on your mortgage or rent is also usually accompanied by lower utilities, maintenance, and also cleaning cleaning costs. So this is a big one. This can move the needle significantly. That's right. Yeah, downsizing, you know, once the kids are out of the house, that can be your single most powerful tool for saving a lot of extra toward retirement. So that's a good one. Yeah, the next one here I'm not so keen on um, is a reverse mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be a good last it is an last option. resort. Um, yeah, if you're intent on staying in your current home for the rest of your life, but you don't have enough retirement income to cover all your monthly bills, a reverse mortgage can be used to fill the gap. I mean, this is the type of home loan that you take. It's available to people who are 62 or older and only needs to be repaid if you sell the home, you move, or you pass away. And in certain circumstances... A reverse mortgage is worth considering, particularly if someone gets dangerously low on their retirement savings 
and wants or really needs to stay where they are. So should you, uh, but you should proceed carefully and pay attention to the potential downsides. Reverse mortgages, they charge a variety of fees. They're typically expensive and you typically won't be able to leave your home to your kids unless you repay the loan. So this is typically kind of a last resort move, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. but it, it can be a valuable fallback position if you run short of money in your golden years. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it is a last resort, but it is an option. Uh, another one here on the list, Steve, is, is really good, is delaying Social Security and retirement. I mean, you know, your age when you sign up for Social Security is going to make a, a huge difference in your monthly benefit. Payments are reduced if you claim them before the full retirement age, which is typically you know between 66 and 67, um, and it'll increase almost 8%. Um, you know, for for each uh, year that you delay retirement. So if you can wait, you know, a couple of years, that's going to add up significantly. You know, if you can wait till 70, that option will allow you to to, to work longer. Um, it'll give you more Social Security, um, and it'll give your spouse pr protection as well because your Social Security would be much higher. Um, and in the case of, you know, when you do pass away, if your wife is still living, then they would get the higher of the two payments. So delaying Social Security is a great, great option. It really is. Yeah, so you can go to the Social Security website, this ssa.gov, mm -hmm. and you can log in, create a login, get your statement there, find out how much you're going to get at 62 and what it will be if you wait till 67 or or age 70. Um, you can also check to see if your spouse is qualified for Social Security. It takes 40 quarters to qualify for Social Security. So if he or she is only a few years short, um, they could work part-time part job to fill in the gap. Fortunately, spouses also qualify to draw off the other spouse, even if they don't qualify themselves. Um, and that means your spouse will get at least 50% of what you would draw at retirement age, at that age retirement age. Um, so knowing exactly what your benefit's going to be for Social Security is a big part of being able to plan for retirement and knowing when you need to pursue these other measures that we're talking about to stretch out your resources. So you got to go on the website and get your Social Security benefit statement. That really is a key. Again, it's ssa.gov. Um, next on the list is cutting unnecessary expenses. John, I mean, you know, this is inevitable. If you're if you find yourself behind for retirement, uh, you gotta you gotta be able to cut some expenses. You gotta get serious about that. And when you retire, you usually don't need all the stuff that you had while you were working. I mean, perhaps you don't you know drive that often anymore, and, and you don't uh, you can get by with one vehicle. Or you only need one newer vehicle for trips, and you can buy an older vehicle for yourself. I mean, if you're in the home stretch struggling to save enough, consider just selling your vehicle with a have a payment on and buying a more used vehicle to free up some cash uh, for savings and retirement. Yeah, the other things to look at, Steve, are maybe you have a camper or a boat you're not using. That would be something to sell. Um, maybe drop your golf membership. Yeah, I actually did. Well, I cut back my golf membership. <laughs> did you? Um, I did um, not a while ago. Okay. I, I still play at Hounds Lake, but I cut it back. Well, I thought you were going to jump all over that one. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I did actually okay, do that. Good for I didn't. You. No, I mean, I, but, but I still play golf. Don't get me wrong. I, I just understand. did the math and figured out I don't play enough <laughs> to, to warrant a full membership. Yeah, so I just have good. kind of a social membership and I go and pay my green fee and play. There you go. I mean, other things to look at cell phone plans. We, we talk about that. Uh, prescription of the weeks occasionally. Um, make sure you, you're getting a good deal. Insurance coverages, 
you know, look at your deductibles on your insurance. Um, you basically got to go through any expenditure in your budget and, and challenge it and see if you can get a lower cost. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's a good one. Next on the list here is minimizing taxes. I mean, income taxes, they're going to be due on every withdrawal you take from an IRA or 401k, and distributions are required after age 70 and a half. However, there are some ways to minimize the tax bite, especially if you start planning in your 50s and, you know, early 60s. Um, you know, maybe it's a good idea to diversify your tax expense and only put part of your savings in the traditional 401k IRA and put the other part in a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. Um, with a Roth 401k or IRA, Roth IRA, you don't get a deduction on the contribution, but it's tax-free when you take it out for retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean, Also, you can contribute after-tax money up to 25% of your pay in a lot of 401k plans. And then you can roll all that after-tax money out into a Roth IRA at a future date. That's a great deal um, since it allows you to slam a lot of money into a Roth and avoid the taxes on the growth of that money forever. Also, you're going to want to look at contributing uh, to a health savings account if you have a qualifying medical plan. That's about $6,400 a year that you can contribute for a family, and it comes directly off your adjusted gross income. Um, you know, so what's even sweeter is it's also tax-free when you take it out during retirement and use it for medical expenses. Um, so that's one of those tax benefits, simply too good to pass up. So if you qualify for it, take a look at possibly uh, using a a health savings account yeah, high along deductible with your plan. high deductible plan. Yeah, that's a that's a really good. Anytime you can save taxes, that's a good deal. Another one here on the list, Steve. I like this one as well. Part time job. I mean, when you hit retirement, you find yourself coming up short. There's really no more effective solution than a part-time job. And and sure, we all would like our freedom to never have to work again in retirement, but even 10 hours a week can make a huge difference in your standard of living. And it also may make you appreciate the rest of retirement as well. So another benefit is that working a new part-time job can allow you to reduce or delay your retirement account withdrawals and it gives your existing savings more time to grow. And, you know, sometimes part-time jobs can be fun. I mean, it can be something that sure. you have a passion and you enjoy, and it's not a J-O-B. It's, a, it's kind of a, a ministry, if you will, and you get paid for it. Yeah, so. you can do something you actually enjoy this time around, yeah. you know, rather than your career. And you also can um, you can delay your Social Security mm-hmm. as well. So, and that'll grow at, you know, 7 or 8% per year, um, the benefit will. So if you're willing to consider part-time employment, in the early years of retirement, that can make a big difference in allowing someone to kind of stretch out the retirement savings. Even someone who earns $15,000 a year in the first three years of retirement, that's $45,000 you don't have to pull out of savings. Furthermore, it'll allow you to delay taking your Social Security, as we just talked about, and allow that to grow. But many people find that working part-time job gives them kind of a new purpose in retirement and adds the social interaction back into the lives they were missing Mm -hmm. during retirement. So that can be a really good thing for a lot of people. Regardless of whether you find yourself in the home stretch to retirement, here are some steps you can take to improve your chance to live your golden years in comfort. So don't delay it any longer. Start planning for that. Give the money doctors a call if we can help you uh, plan for retirement. Creating a retirement plan is the only sure way that to know exactly where you stand for the golden years. So that's very, very critical. Yeah, great, great uh, list there. 
All right. Good. That leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question uh, came from a, a client recently, and they said that I have 300000 to invest. Should I drop it in the market all at once, or should I dollar cost average? And, Steve, if you look at statistically, um, you know, the markets go up about two-thirds of the time, and they go down about the other third. So statistically, it's better to drop it in all at once. Um, the, right. the studies and the stats right. show that you know if you put it in all at once – you know, based on what the markets have done historically. You odds know, are in your favor. Odds are in your favor. But it doesn't mean that it it will turn out that way. You could put it in right at the peak and it goes down. But That's statistically, right. it's it's better to put it in all at once. More conservative approach is to do the dollar cost average. So It does lower your risk. It does lower the Obviously. risk. But so. it can also lower the return a little bit. So it, it, it really depends on your demeanor. No one knows what the market's going to do next week or next month or next year. Um, so if, if they're an aggressive investor, I will t- typically tell them to do, you know, all at once. All at once, um, right. If they're right. more conservative investor, then dollar cost average may be the appropriate strategy. I think more important than anything, it's a tool for measuring, for, for managing your emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have some big loss right at the beginning. And uh, so it just spreads it out and kind of gradually puts you into the, the market and into that risk level. So uh, it's a good tool. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Yep. Good good question of the week. All right, that leads up to our next topic here, and that is the classic investing mistakes. Yeah, we, we see these daily yes, almost, we do. don't we? Unfortunately. We um we uh we try to help our clients. That's one of the values we feel like we, we can add to our clients is help help them not make these mistakes. Um this comes from Marketing Pro. It's a service that we subscribe to and uh you know, Steve, year after year in bull and bear markets, investors make some all too common blunders. I mean, we see it time and time again. They've been written about, talked about, critiqued at length, and yet some are still made. I mean, you can chalk them up to psychology, human nature, perhaps even a degree of peer pressure, but you just don't want to find yourself making them more than once. It It is one of the reasons why people get into trouble with retirement is they make some of these mistakes. And the first one here on the list is is caving into emotion. And we see this in this really at the top of the list. And there was a study that was recently done by the DeVere Group, and it consults uh, high net worth investors around the world. And it recently surveyed about 880 of its clients and found that even with their their experience and their wisdom, some had made the equivalent of a rookie mistake. 20% of them had let fear or greed prompt them into making an emotional investment decision. So a fifth of experienced investors still had those those uh, those issues. Yeah, that's right. I mean, following your emotions can be a real disaster, and that's that's definitely that's definitely it. I mean, investors, what they'll do too is they'll use past performance to kind of justify their greed. You know, they'll say, "Well, it did well recently. You know, I better buy some more of it." Um, but past performance is merely history. It represents kind of a micro factor versus macroeconomic factors influencing sectors and markets. So you got to disregard past performance. I mean, you really have to look at how it's invested and, you know, kind of what what you're invested in. I mean, fear prompts panic selling. You know, how many investors, they draw on technical analysis or even stop loss limits when shares suddenly decline? Not many, you know. I mean, a stop loss limit, uh, you know, for somebody who didn't want to watch the market every day and you're just trying to sell something, I mean, it, it's – we don't really believe in that. I mean, it's a tool that you can use to kind of protect your downside, but um, you know, it's also a way to ensure that you're going to sell eventually for a loss. Mm-hmm. 
So, because <laughs> volatility is a reality. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. Mm-hmm. You set a stop loss limit. Eventually, you're going to hit it. Yeah, that's right. And then so, you'll be out of the market at a lower at price. At a lower price. So emotion is, is one of the key things, and we spend a lot of time talking about emotion because um, it, it is emotional. I mean, there's no doubt, and you can make bad decisions. So that's a classic investing mistake. Another one here on the list, Steve, is investing without a strategy. Some people invest with, with one idea in mind, just making money, and that's certainly got to be at the top of the list. Um, but it shouldn't blind them to other priorities such as tax efficiency, making sure they manage risk, reviewing asset allocation. About a, about 22% of the investors in this DeVere poll confess to that as well. So making sure you have a strategy that you understand that you can get through the, the good and the and the difficult times of the market. Because if you don't, you're going to be all over the map. Exactly right. right. And so another one here on the list, uh, Steve, is not diversifying enough. Have you ever heard the phrase um, familiarity bias? This is when investors develop a home team attachment to an investment. Just as sports fans stick with the, the Celtics or the the Tigers or the Gamecocks. Game you put all the money on the Gamecocks. That's right. Then you lose your, your clowny guy, and all of a sudden right. you got we a got dog people team. In the, we got people in the wings coming up. Yeah, right. Eventually they'll be there, man. That's no right. Problem. Just wait till next year. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'm not putting all my money on the Tigers That's either right. next year. That's but, right. Uh, but this year, hey, it's a good bet. <laughs> so maybe they also work for a company. You've seen people that work for companies for 30 and 40 years, um, and they have that bias. Um, you know, they have some – some emotional capital in there. Well, that's that's very very risky. If that company craters, they won't feel good, obviously. And if you hold too much in one investment, I mean, it can ruin your it can ruin your retirement. It can hurt their feelings. It can hurt their feelings. <laughs> that's terrible. They won't feel good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're concerned about feelings on this show too, Steve. Yeah, right. We are. We are. Uh, we're talking about your money. Here, that's right. Okay? That's you right. You got to get your feelings out of it. I mean, conversely, I mean, some portfolios are over diversified and they hold too many investments, as they say here. Um, you know, that's that's seldom the fault of investors. I mean, over time, they may end up with some shares, you know, of all their major companies and industry with little help from Wall Street managers. Core problem here is not all these companies can be winners. All right. I totally disagree with that statement, by the way. Um, you can't be too diversified. Yes, you do need to have, you need to have the right asset classes in your portfolio. You yeah. need to be diversified, but you've got to be diversified within those. I mean, you got to get your share of winners. You know, this isn't like Las Vegas where you got to just pick the winners. Over time, the market does it for you. Yeah. The market wins over time. You've got to just be in the game. And no one can predict which stocks are going to exactly. be the best. Exactly. Yeah, here's another one, Steve. Um, you know, tax management of investments, um, you know, not being, you know, in, in at least in your thought process. Sometimes certain investments with a taxable account will lose money, yet because of past gains they've made, the investor is stuck with the capital gains tax. Some investments obviously are better held in taxable accounts and others in tax-deferred accounts as various types of investments are taxed at varying rates. So when you retire and you tap into your savings, you can potentially improve your tax efficiency by drawing down your taxable accounts first so you'll face the capital gains rate versus the ordinary income rate. So, again, it's, this is talking about an income distribution strategy. That's what right. it's boiling down to. So, right. so when you pull your money from your taxable accounts first, your tax-advantaged accounts, they get more time to grow. So your IRAs, you leave them alone. You let them grow. Yeah, you don't pull the money out of it. So making sure you have a strategy for, for, 
for tax management in retirement when you start pulling money out. Yeah, yeah. That's and, another mistake. You know, that's something that we help our clients mm-hmm. with all the time, yep. making those decisions. Another one here is, you know, not reviewing your portfolio allocations properly. Um, you know, long-term asset allocation strategy starts with having the right percentages to make sure you're well diversified and you're spread out and you're emphasizing the right asset classes that over time will make you a higher return according to history. But over time, it, it you know, it, it may not take very much time, but the percentage allocations can get out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, as the market goes up, um, you'll have a greater percentage of your assets in the ones that did the best. For some people, that ends up being one stock. If they're not well diversified, they'll have one stock that grows a lot faster than everything else, and it'll become an outsized percentage of the portfolio. So you need to rebalance. You need to have a great asset allocation but be diversified, and you need to review that allocation and rebalance occasionally, and that's what we talked about rebalancing earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, bottom line here, Steve, is an even kill promotes a steady course. I mean, fear, greed bias, randomness, inattention. I mean, these are the root causes of some of these classic investing blunders. And, you know, a lot of us have made them. Patience and experience can help us avoid them in the future. So the key is is spending some time on this, understanding a little bit. Um, some people can feel like they can do this on their own. Other people kind of partner up with advisors to help them kind of walk through this process because it is confusing, complex, and it is emotional as well. The key is emotions. And I think one of the big benefits that we provide to our clients or any advisor does is to help them manage emotions, to give you some perspective so you can step back, look at the big picture, look at history, and not react to the elections or any other big event that's happening out there. You're always enticed by the media to go sell Mm -hmm. at some event because they think it's, you know, they'll talk about, they'll hype up some event that says it's going to, the market's going to drop as a result of elections or as a result of Y2K or, you know, <laughs> all these crazy things mm-hmm. in the past that proved to be nothing. Right. Um, and, you know, an advisor kind of puts it in perspective, puts it in perspective right. for them and allows them to sit back and hear a, a second opinion about that. So you just got to be careful, you know, don't let your emotions get the best of you. Stay diversified, rebalance. You know, that's that's the way to be successful over time, as we've said many, many times mm-hmm. on the show. Yes, right? we have. All right. And that brings us up to our prescription of the week. Yeah, if you work for a corporation and uh, they offer term insurance, it can be a great way to get term insurance. But um, you may want to look at, instead of buying it through your company, getting a policy on the outside. You may be able to save pretty significant money because the way the insurance works in most group policies is they have um, brackets That's right. for the ages, so 35 to 39 is X, and then you know as you get older, those brackets get significantly. I've seen them go up 50 or 70 percent. Get a lot more for expensive. each bracket, yeah. And if you buy a term policy, it's level for the the time period that you buy it. If you buy a 20 year you know policy, it'll be the same price every year for those 20 years. So you can I've done some analysis on it for some local companies, and you can save you know upwards of 10 to 15 thousand dollars. And even what's more important, I think, than saving money is is your health. You know, if you buy good, I mean, what what happens in a group policy is, you know, it's a one-year renewable term policy, basically, and every year it gets a different price. But once you leave, you don't get to keep that policy forever. Yeah, that's right. Okay, once you retire, you want insurance that's going to cover you all the way to retirement or all the way to the end of your need mm-hmm. period. Right. Right, so you can buy a 20-year term policy or even a 30-year term policy if you're young, 
that'll carry you all the way to retirement, get you to when you're drawing Social Security and you and your spouse are, are living in retirement and you don't need that kind of protection anymore. And then you, you qualify for that once. You don't have to get another exam and you have a level premium for that entire period. So that's very, very important. You don't want to be in a – you want to make sure you're covered for the entire period mm-hmm. and you don't come up with some kind of health issue in your mid-50s where you can't get insurance anymore and all of a sudden you're out of a job with no insurance. Yep, very good So, uh, yeah, that's a great prescription of the week. Okay, and that brings up to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday or next week for Money MD. You can pick us up on moneymd.net and hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.